What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. She <laughs> hung up on me. Yeah! Oh! What? 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 Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Gospel Heard Around the World. This is Apologia Radio. Coming at you guys from Phoenix, Arizona Studios coming along right now guys things are looking good almost done with the new set for next week with jeff durbin that's the name of the show title of the show is next week uh with jeff durbin that's almost done how's it not going? gonna be next week though i know not not officially next week we will let you know we'll make it very very we'll make it abundantly clear when it's time <laughs> we'll make sure that you really really know uh what's up with that so uh we're in the studio right now in the uh writer's room cutting this episode for you guys on an important uh discussion culturally speaking we're going to be talking about slavery. We're going to be talking about racism. Abraham Lincoln, Robert E. Lee, and uh, Confederate monuments, a Confederate flag. That's a hot topic right now because uh, they're tearing down monuments. They're tearing down um, the history of, uh, of uh, a lot of things that happened in this nation. Obviously, a very, very difficult history, some ugly stuff. But we want to address it from a biblical worldview because we don't see a lot of people talking about it. So in the studio right now with Pastor Luke Pierce and the Bear. What up? Of course, we also have Marcus King Ginger Pittman. What's up? And, uh, of course, me, the Coleman Ninja. And today we have special guest in the studio, my son, another Durbin, Sage Durbin. Hey. What do we call Sage, Luke? Saji. Saji? <laughs> also, Dan- Daniel's in the studio, too, right now, but he didn't have a microphone, so he's, he, just so you know, we want to acknowledge that Daniel's here. Yes, I am here. And we want to thank Daniel for all of his hard, hard work with Pastor Luke building this new set for everybody. Yes, Daniel's been amazing. He really has been. He's learned a lot. He learned a lot. So I want to I want to play something kind of cool for you guys. Marcus, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so I, there might be a little pop here as I as I change the the chord here, um, but I, I I'm willing to risk it and sound and do some terrible radio just so you guys can hear this. 
There you go. All right. So um, go unprofessional. I know. Totally unprofessional. This is what I want you to hear right now. This is a new app, and I wish they would choose a different translation. So first and foremost, I want a different translation, y'all. Uh, they're using the New Living translation. Okay. Ugh. But I, what I'm saying is, is that really I, a translation. What I'm saying. No. So what I'm saying is, is I really like the idea. I think it's really, really a great idea. And I love it. Love it. I love it. Love it. Okay. So this is, this is the app. It, the name of the app is called Streetlights. Streetlights. Do, 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 do. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, this, I'm this ready. This is playing all throughout my house this morning. So get okay. ready because this is going to be your new favorite thing, Pastor Luke. I think okay. you especially will love this. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Jesus feeds 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him oh, I know wherever this he is. went because they saw his this miraculous is... signs Sorry. as he healed the sick. Are you good? Then this Jesus climbed uh, and sat down Humble with his disciples around. I saw, yeah, he, he does. It was uh, time for the Jewish this, Passover he did a bunch of uh, hip hop tracks to different verses or different books of the Bible. Yeah? Yeah. It is, yeah. Philip, it's awesome. Yes, so it's basically it's the Bible he was read in a really really artistic what he was going to do. way, Philip and replied, it's got this beat we running in the months, background now. I don't know. I know that Luke does answer. this. Like when I'm doing when I'm studying, oh, yeah. I wonder how many of y'all are like this. When I'm when I'm studying, I like to put on like some chill, yeah. some chill trance in the background, some beat. Well, I don't trance, do trance. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> I think that's isn't that demonic. <laughs> It helps You're not supposed me. to read the Bible and be in a trance. <laughs> it helps me actually stay like in it, and I can study like for hours if I have a little bit of beat going on in the back. Oh yeah. So this is like playing in my house this morning. Like I'm cooking sausage, making hash browns for my family, and there was this. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets of scraps left by the people who had eaten. I love it, man. I really do. I love yeah, it. I think awesome. it's a fantastic I idea. So I wonder what you guys think about that. It's called Streetlights uh, Bible App. That's what it's called, and I really, really think it's a good it's, idea. It's got really awesome artwork too, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So you said that's the guys from? Uh, it's through Humble Beast. I'm not sure if they put it out, but they're somehow involved with it. Right on. Well, good job to to you guys who put that together. I think that's a fantastic idea. It's a great way to uh, get in some some Bible study and listening to the Bible while you guys are. Uh, Rocking out, you know what I'm saying? I really like that. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I think it's a great idea. So, all right. So, well, let's let's do a little talk, a little bit of talking today's episode, talking about uh, racism, slavery. Like I said, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, uh, and the Confederate monument stuff. So, let me go ahead and play uh, for you guys a little clip. Uh, this is from Fox News, talking about what's going on right now in the last couple of weeks. Sleeping New Orleans removing history piece by piece. Crews taking down another Confederate monument, this time of General PGT Beauregard. Supporters and protesters watching the removal. One side claiming the statue is a harsh reminder of slavery and segregation. Others say it's an important part of history. This is the third of four Confederate statues slated for removal in New Orleans. They say P.T. Barnum? P.T. Barnum, I'm not sure I missed that. <laughs> It's like P-T-G-T-A-B-C-D. Yeah, something. so you want to get some backtrack going there, Pastor Luke? Oh, let's Luke's. do it. So th this is the thing we wanted to say before we launch into this discussion about um, the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln. And by the way, this is not going to be like an extensive discussion today, but we do want to at least in broad strokes talk about some of the important issues. But let's, we want to talk about like underneath all of this, 
we, we want to announce that the biblical worldview um, destroys racism. When you stand upon the scriptures, the biblical worldview, the view of humanity, if you have a biblical anthropology, racism is stupid. Racism is a foolish endeavor, and, um, and the biblical worldview annihilates it. I mean, when you have the Bible saying things like, in Christ there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, we're all one in Christ Jesus, you have a fundamental affirmation of the equality that we have as image of God and the equality that we have um, in our union with Jesus Christ. What Jesus does in his coming is he redeems sinful people. And those sinful people are from every tribe, tongue, and nation. They are all the same, level ground before the throne of grace. And the glorious thing about Jesus is he's king, not over one tribe, but over tribes, nations, tongues. Mm -hmm. Jesus redeems Jew and Gentile. Uh, free person, slave person. Jesus redeems man and woman. And so with a truly biblical worldview, you have racism destroyed. Now, here's the thing. Are there people in history who have professed to be believers in Jesus Christ and were also racist? Yes. Yep. People are sinners. Jesus came as a great physician to take care of unrighteous people, people who are sick. And so what's amazing here is this. From a biblical worldview, you have a basis to argue against, to condemn racism in every form because mm -hmm. you're standing on the biblical revelation. So what's the biblical revelation fundamentally? Got to get this across. All of us are created in the Imago Dei. We go back to the same first parents. Mm -hmm. So the black person next door to you and the brown person down the street from you, whatever color their skin or the white person next to you, that person has got the same pappy. <laughs> Same mom and dad going back to the beginning of history. Right. Now, here's the point. Ready? It is evolutionary thought that assists racism. It gets it on its legs. Mm -hmm. No question about that. Why? Well, biblical worldview says there's only one race, and that's the human race. Right. There's one human family, and all of us are these different colors and 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 and, and types of the same human family. And I think it's glorious. I think that all the distinctions and differences are beautiful things. And a biblical worldview allows you to actually celebrate those things. It really does. An evolutionary worldview doesn't give you that. What are human beings but just protoplasm bobbing along right. a purposeless cosmos? It doesn't matter. There's no value to human beings. No more value than there are snails, horses, dogs, rats, and anything else. It's just a mess. It's just stuff in a universe that doesn't care about you. They're just they're just specks on specks orbiting specks among specklessness. Hey, it sounds like Bill Nye. It is Bill Nye. Hey. It is Bill Nye. All right, Bill Nye. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the assistance along the path towards racism. Uh, no, and here's the thing. I mean, how do you argue uh -huh. with ra how do you argue with racism when holding to a neo-Darwinian model and anthropology? How do you say that it's wrong for one person to hate another person for the color of their skin? First of all, there's no moral oughts in that worldview, none. And then when you consider like how we all got here from ultimately bacteria and fish, we're African apes. I mean, what's the point? How can you tell someone that they're wrong for hating somebody because of the color of their skin? Right. Maybe my little circle drawn around the white race, maybe my little circle drawn around that evolutionary byproduct called white people is a meaningful circle for me. You know, maybe I want my particular kind of humanity to be the fittest. 
What's wrong with that? Yeah, maybe maybe our maybe white skin is more uh, evolved away from apes than say black skin. He gets a good point, Luke. Couldn't we make the argument yeah. at least? Now, I'm not saying it's a good argument. I'm not I'm saying it's, I'm saying it's a sinful, sick argument. But couldn't a sinful, sick person right. say exactly like you said? Hey, I think that the white race is actually more evolved than yep. the black race. Like we've just done better. Mm -hmm. Like couldn't they say that? I think so. And they what could. argument do you have with them? Daniel, you look like you're itching to say something. You look, I just see you squirming over there. Exactly. If you just, if you want to ensure that your genetics are going to go forward and that it's the genetics that look like you and that you want your traits to be carried on, then racism makes sense because, well, that's, I'm going to separate myself from everybody else and I'm going to make sure that my genetics get passed on. Yep. So this is, this is a really important one to get. Now, biblically speaking, because we live in a time where there is so much racial animosity, way more, let me tell you right now, way more than my youth growing up, even in the 90s. I mean, of course it existed. We People are evil and sinful everywhere. And there was racism, spots of it all over the place. I'm not saying it wasn't there and there was a golden area behind us where things, you know, there was no problems. But I'm saying we live in a, uh, we live in a midst of a lot of racial tension right now. And I want to say that the answer for it is biblical worldview. And the answer to right. address some of the racial difficulties we're having right now in terms of the justice system would be to have a biblical form of justice. And you're not going to run into those problems. Right. Racists don't bode well in biblical justice system. Uh, they just don't. And so I want to say it is a biblical worldview that annihilates racism. It just does. You can't make an argument for racism in a coherent way from biblical worldview. You just cannot. So what do people need? They need Jesus. We don't need these organizations, these secular organizations that are trying with all their might to bring uh, racial harmony in ways that are ultimately they not They usually helpful. make it worse. They exactly. make it worse. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. So, I mean, they, they don't help us because they don't have a worldview that can make sense of it. Right. You know, the, the ACLU and uh, South, what's the Southern Center of Poverty? What is it? Southern Poverty, Poverty Center. Poverty right? Center. Yeah, I don't know. They actually add fuel to the fire the most, most of the time. And what people need is a fundamentally new way of looking at the world and themselves. And I say that they can only come from biblical worldview and people need Jesus. They need new hearts. And I, I want to say this, I, and I got to say it, I've said it a number of times. It's got me in a lot of trouble, but I've got to say it. If you are a racist, if you hate a person because of the color of their skin, I do question your salvation. I just do. Now, some people say like, oh, Jeff, you shouldn't say things like that. You don't know where people are in their sanctification. No, I understand. It could be something God is working on in someone's heart, but I have a right as a Christian knowing God's word and knowing what he says about us and the world to say, mm -hmm. if you hate somebody because of the color of their skin, if you hate your brother because of the color of their skin, then you probably don't know God. Better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I do question it. And you know what? That's between God and I. If you want to condemn me for saying something like that, that's fine. But I know what God says in his word about humanity. And I know what he says about hating your brother in your heart. And he actually says, John says, that if you hate your brother and say you know God, you lie. You mm -hmm. don't know God. And so, I, so let's lay that down so that everyone understands that. Racism is an abomination. It's ugly. It's evil. It needs to die. And the only way it's going to die is through the gospel changed hearts right. and the biblical worldview. Now, next thing let's talk about, let's talk about slavery. All right. This is going to be an important discussion to have because we want to first offer an apologetic 
um, against those who would attempt to use the Bible to say that slavery is good uh, in terms of what was in the North and the South in the United States. Um, we also want to address as an apologetic who those who would attempt to say that the biblical revelation promotes the kind of slavery that took place in the North right. and the South. So what we're going to do first is take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about slavery in the Bible and demonstrate that it is the biblical worldview and Christianity that ultimately liberates the world and does away with slavery as it has done so many times in 2,000 years of Christian history. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com is where you go. Don't forget to sign up for all access, guys, and partner with our ministry as we bring the gospel all around the world. the chocolate knox if you love that wonderful sensation of chewing glass this is the show for you cross politic is a weekly show and podcast that mixes the taboo formula of faith culture and politics proclaiming the lordship of christ in every corner of our culture hallelujah gabriel wrench is a deacon from texas and he wears overalls one time <laughs> chocolate knox aka david shannon He's a movie maker from Minnesota. Action! I'm Toby Sumter, pastor here in Moscow, Idaho, and I used to live in Alaska. Did you know that? No. No. We've interviewed everyone from Alveda King to Ted Cruz to Steve Dace to Walter Williams, and we invite you to join us here at CrossPolitik as we learn to fight, laugh, and feast all to the glory of God. CrossPolitik.com. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build Him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of the Christian Liberal Arts College, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at NSA. Thank you for show everywhere I go. People caught up in self money, cars and closure. They talk about it all the time and put it in their songs. They drive around and play it loud like it ain't nothing wrong. And now they talk about it sinful stuff. Got everybody acting bad, thinking that they could do it. They trying to drown me out, but now they ain't gonna count me out. I got a backpack full of tracks, plus I keep a jelly max so we can pound it out. Plus I'm bumping these Jesus peace whenever they see it, me. People looking all confused Cause every one of my tunes Is screaming Jesus peace I was bumping that triply BJ rolling with me Both our heads nodding Like we dozing or we tipsy But we ain't been drinking man All these souls just banging man Got us screaming Jesus Out the window While we changing lanes While we just That brings back memories dude that's like back. That's like going back to our roots right there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Triple Classic Lecrae. Lecrae, Jesus music. Uh, so, hey, we've had a really, really a busy and amazing and awe-inspiring last couple of weeks at Apologia Church. It really, truly has been humbling to see all that God is doing around the world, and in particular in our own nation, and specifically in the area of bringing the gospel into conflict with the culture um, of death um, in, in the area of abortion. It's amazing to see what God has done through really God raising up people across the United States right. to preach the gospel with courage 
into the area of abortion at the abortion mills to our legislature to our culture and so yeah so let's just talk just for a moment about the conference i just want to say i thought it was really encouraging that there were more pastors and elders at an abortion now conference than there were hipsters at reform con that's true that's true <laughs> wow that's that's, true. that's saying a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a there, there's there's a lot that happened and we want to first point you, of course, to go to YouTube, Apologia Studios and YouTube, and go watch, if you would, please, go watch the messages from End Abortion Now, the conference. Uh, I think they'll really yeah. encourage you. And uh, I wanted to play this encouraging thing before we get back into the show from a pastor in uh, from Sanford, Florida. He uh, His name is Dan Mistrapa. He is pastor of a church called Scent Church, and uh, he was at the clinic the Orlando Women's Center yesterday with John Barros, and he sent us a message uh, that's also on our channel, but we want to play it for you guys just to be encouraged by what God can do um, through a consistent proclamation of the gospel. Hi, Jeff. This is uh, Dan Mastrampa. I pastor Scent Church in Sanford, Florida. I'm out here with John Barros at the Women's Clinic here. I want to let you know I was so uh, stirred and inspired by the End Abortion Now conference. I got to watch it via live stream, and it really, the Lord convicted me and, and used your ministry and the ministry of John to come out and get involved and be a part of it. I was out here watching John proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ here. We saw some young ladies turn away, and we know the Spirit of the Lord touch their hearts and I want to thank you Jeff and apology and your ministry for all you do your, your labor of love fighting the good fight of faith standing on the wall and uh, want to let you know we're here praying for you we support you and, and what you do and thank you for how you've inspired us and I'm praying the Lord uses this as an opportunity to get our church on board and other uh, ministers in our city to see abortion ended once and for all God bless you brother thank you Praise God for that. Yeah, that's well, awesome. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And in abortion, now, one pastor at a time. That's right. So what's amazing now... I was talking to my pastor in Virginia, Yep. and he was telling me that there are a lot of people talking about getting their churches involved in abortion now because of, in his area, because they listen to us. Praise, Praise the God. Lord. So it's 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 all over. It's well, There's probably people that are starting that will probably never tell us. Yeah, then that's fine. Right. Just to get them in the fight. So endabortionnow.com is where you can go to get your church connected. We already have over 130 churches across the United States already signed up. And I want to speak to those right now who are signed up and haven't received their kits yet. We want you to know that um, a lot of this stuff has just been a little bit delayed because the name of it is End Abortion Now. And uh, we wanted to launch right away and get started. And some of the stuff took time to get in. And then it's going to take time to get it shipped to you. So you should be receiving that very, very soon. Um, your we got kits. the boxes today. Yeah. So yeah. So they're, they're, put together. they're on their way, guys. So just hang on tight. And uh, you can start doing abortion mail ministry now with your church. You don't need to wait for the kits. But they are coming. And uh, we're just grateful for the opportunity to send them to you. All the resources are free. Free training. Free resources. Free kits. All that can come to you guys. Just got to get signed up with your church and get started. Let's get in the fight. And one last thing I want to say. I have mentioned it before. I want to make sure you hear me say it. And please do it. If you go to endabortionnow.com, there is a tab there where you can contact your local legislature and you can do it right away. And it sends them a pre-made letter uh, that basically asks them to stand for justice and to uphold justice immediately for the unborn in, um, in your state. You don't have to do anything except put your information in and it knows who your legislators are and it sends them a message. You don't even have to write anything. You don't have to search for anything. 
Nothing. Right. All you do is put your address in and you click send. That is all you have to do. Hey, can we talk about how racist uh, Margaret Sanger was? <laughs> okay. And just real fast, and just say this quickly. How we, racist was she? Is you, uh, very racist. <laughs> is, there, is there a joke here? <laughs> hey, and, and no, I got to say it. Talking about the biblical worldview, healing the world, and bringing justice and peace among men. Uh, first, peace with God happens, and then peace, peace among men. But let's just talk about the fact that Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, was a racist, wicked woman. Uh, and uh, you don't have to go searching too far and wide to find the many awful things she said about black people. And is it a coincidence that the great majority of abortion facilities are in prim- uh, are in primarily minorm- minority denominate uh, minority dominant neighborhoods? Boy, my mouth is not working today. Minority dominant neighborhoods. Is that, that is a, a mouthful? Is that a coinky dink? Doubt it. Margaret Sanger, I think, would be proud of you, Planned Parenthood. You're doing well for her mission. And uh, just go, just do some research. I'd I'd encourage you guys to read um, Dr. George Grant's book on Margaret Sanger. Sage, you read that book. What was it called? Uh, Um, I don't remember. Killer Killer Angel. Angel. Oh, okay. Killer Angel, right? I think so. Yeah, Killer Angel. So he, yeah, he should be on our TV show soon. Yeah, we're supposed to have him on. We missed him once. He he actually ended up ended up ministering at the hospital the day he's supposed to be on our show to talk about Margaret Sanger, Killer Angel, uh, Margaret Sanger, and eugenics. And so it's a really important book. Hope you guys get a chance to pick that up. So now let's talk about the subject of slavery for a moment. Now you'll often find that the modern secularist, anti-theist, the person who is a devotee of Hitchens, Dawkins, Krauss, Dennett, Harris, and the like, will often say the Bible promotes slavery, and what they pack into that is the baggage of the slavery of the North and the South. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The biblical form of indentured servitude that existed in the Old Testament was nothing like the slavery of the North and the South, the man-stealing, kidnapping, and enslaving that we see in the North and the South, the wicked form of slavery that was in the United States of America. So to make that claim demonstrates that being an atheist, a secularist, dramatically impacts your ability to read the Bible. Let's talk about real fast. What kind of slavery existed in the Old Testament? Well, it was an indentured servitude. There was debt slavery, where if you couldn't pay off your debts, then you didn't go locked into a cage. You were not shackled. That did not take place. Um, You had to pay off your debt. And seven years was the max that you could actually get. So not lifetime sentences, not 20-year sentences, but seven years was the max. Indentured servitude to pay back your debts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, if you had committed a theft and you you could not pay back what you stole, there would be an indentured servitude. What's that mean, basically? You had to basically be employed by the person that you stole from or you borrowed from. You had to pay back what you owed. That's the only kind of slavery that existed then. And I want to say this, very, very important. It was a way of protecting the the poor from death. People who could not care for themselves. There There was a voluntary indentured servitude. People who could not care for themselves could work for people. Now, was it like the slavery of the North and the South? Nothing like it. And when you do see in our New Testament 
Slavery spoken to. This is powerful. You see Christianity giving the seed Mm -hmm. that ultimately grew into fruition to destroy slavery in every nation uh, the Christians went to. And what is that seed? You see slavery slavery spoken of in a way that is completely countercultural. Like, for example, in the Roman Empire, where you have this massive economic system of slavery... You have people who came to Jesus and and who owned slaves. Mm-hmm. And what does it say? What does it say? To destroy your slaves? No. To treat them like subhuman? No. It says, the Apostle Paul says, to essentially treat your slaves like brothers and sisters in Christ, which is completely countercultural. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, would lead to the liberation that Christianity has brought across the world everywhere the gospel has gone. So, for example, in history, Christianity has abolished slavery wherever it has gone, and it has done it without bloodshed, except, of course, the U.S. In the United States. We're going to get to that. But let me just say this. When somebody brings up slavery to me, and they try to make a claim that the Bible promotes the kind right. of slavery that happened in the North and the South, what I like to point them to is... Exodus 21:16. In the law of God, it says this about kidnapping and enslaving people. It says, "Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death." Mm-hmm. There's the biblical law on the kind of slavery that occurred in the north and the south in the United States. What's the punishment according to God for kidnapping a person? And enslaving them. The punishment is? Death. Death. That's capital punishment, baby. So, you know what's amazing is you look in the the, the history of the United States and the, the war over slavery, quote-unquote war over slavery, you see that there were sermons being preached in both the North and the South, both for and against slavery. It was a very morally confused time. Very morally confused. You have, for example, I'm going to read a little bit later, Robert E. Lee uh, famous uh, general uh, in the South, uh, he knew that slavery was a moral atrocity and he wanted it to end, uh, but he actually believed that it should end in a way that was peaceable and not with bloodshed. Um, but slavery was on its way out. As a matter of fact, early on in the 19th century, there were more anti-slave societies in the South than there were in the North. More anti-slavery societies in the South than there were in the North early on. Now, am I suggesting by any means that slavery was not a problem, that there were not racists in the South? I am not suggesting that at all. I'm saying that it was a complex situation that's not as cut and dry as people like to make it. That's important. Make sure if you're going to quote me, you quote me saying that. That it, there were racists in the South and the North. Slavery was a wicked system. There were people who were, there was a, a really a minimal amount of people trying to keep it around, not saying it was a moral issue. Um, it needed to go away. It needed to die. My argument is is that we didn't need to fight a war to end it and spill blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's important. So, now, speaking about the Bible, just last thing I'll say on this. If we hold to a biblical world and life view, we would hate slavery, fight for liberation of all people, and um, we would bring freedom wherever we would go because freedom with God, first and foremost, brings freedom among men and peace among men. And so the biblical worldview says that if you kidnap a person and enslave them, you need to die. And there were Christians arguing during the time of the Civil War, arguing, preaching, 
that the penalty for what took place in the South and the North should have been the death penalty. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, if we can camp out in Exodus 21 here before we get too far into the uh, slavery situation here in the U.S., it's funny, um, you just read verse 16. A lot of times you'll hear people bring this up, especially uh, verse 20, 20, where it says, um, no, sorry, 21. But if a slave survives a day or two, he is not to be vengeful for the slave is his money. So they'll bring that up as in support as it will God was, you know, is in support of slavery. Again, as you just explained, this is not uh, the same slavery as the as what we had here in the U.S. But again, if they would just read five verses earlier, it, it demolishes that. Uh, but what's funny, too, is we hear this a lot at the abortion mill, right? Right. We hear this complaint from the abortion mill that God was, uh, you know, for slavery. And then it's like, why don't you guys just read the next verse? This verse 22 says, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as a judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This is where yes. everybody wants to bring this up. Yeah. Um, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So the point is here we have people at the abortion mill supporting the murder of children, trying to use that verse against us if they just read the next two verses actually, they would see that uh, the penalty for what they're supporting should be death. That's right. Biblical worldview says there has to be justice, equal justice for the crime committed. And in that case, that is the death of a preborn child. And uh, the Bible says you're taking a life. And so it's, it's just important. It's an, I just want to point this out, that when you think about the, the kind of justice system we have here in the United States right now, uh, it is so perverse in so yes, many ways, and we're so, learning. It's so so unjust. We're dealing with an issue right now with somebody that we care for. Um, that the criminal, the justice system that we have before us is obviously unjust and not biblical in many many ways. But think about this for a second. Now you look in the Old Testament. You had rape happening. You had murder happening. You had theft happening. You had all the things happening we have today. All of them happening. But you don't see something that we do see across our landscape. What is that? You don't see prison systems, long-term prison systems uh, in God's system of justice. Why? Because justice was about harmony and victims' rights. It wasn't about caging people like animals for 20 or 30 years, imposing a, 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 um, a tax by coercion upon the public who did nothing. There, were, uh, there was a system in place where people had to pay back people they stole from. And if you murdered somebody, if you raped somebody, you would receive the death penalty. If you enslaved somebody, kidnapped somebody, you receive the death penalty. You wouldn't get three hots in a cot for 30 years. You would get the death penalty right. and no longer be a burden to society around you. And only on the basis of two or three independent lines of testimony and witness could that take place. It couldn't be on the basis of one witness. And there was protection in the law of God in this respect. If somebody would perjure themselves in court and lie in court in, in an effort to get somebody um, uh, condemned under law before the justice system, then guess what? That person that lied, they would get the same penalty that would have happened to the person they were trying to get in trouble. Right. So say, for example, you have a, a false allegation of rape, which happens a lot. Yes. If there was a false allegation of rape, well, and under a biblical system of justice, you know you'd be fa facing the death penalty because you could have gotten somebody killed for lying. 
if if you accuse somebody of murder and you're lying about it and you're caught doing it, then you would get the death penalty. So that preserves the justice system. People understand if I make a false allegation, I'm going to get the penalty myself. There's preservation right there. It's not a smack on the hand like, oh, you perjured yourself. Stop doing that. No big deal. It's if you lie in court, you're going to get what's, what was what was coming to the other guy. So you get all of that according to a biblical system of justice, which, by the way, final word is what the American system was based upon. There is no getting around that. Just read right. John Jay, our first Supreme Court justice in the United States of America. Just read what he wrote. Our case law system in the United States is based upon the Mosaic case law system. Now, slavery is a wicked thing, needs to be abolished everywhere that it exists. The kind of slavery that we're talking about in the North and the South, all that needs to die. And now, quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit about Abraham Lincoln, bring my son into the discussion a bit. He's a history buff and nerd. He's actually starting a class soon. So if you're in Arizona and you want to start a history class with Sage Durbin. Tempe. In Tempe, that's right. You'll be able to uh, actually get some training from a Durbin. Whoa. It's going to happen right here actually (laughs) at the studio. So a weekly class on history with my son, Sage Durbin. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. One of the great difficulties of a public education system is that 
you have the government in control of the curriculum. And so when you have the government in control of curriculum, the curriculum is going to be slanted. The curriculum is going to be slanted towards the government's favor and whatever the agenda is the government wants to get across. So can I just use this as as an extreme example? When we think about a country like North Korea, and you think about the constant propaganda of a country like North Korea, what do they have? A government-controlled media, a government-controlled school system, and so what does everybody see, believe, and hear in Korea? Well... Kim Jong-un is God. Yes, Kim Jong-un is God, (laughs) whatever the government wants to say. And guess what? Same problem exists today. People often mock the Russian system and the government-controlled media and the Russian system. And people say, well, that's not good. Why? Because there's no safety there. There's no protection there. There's no accountability there. There's no objectivity there. And if you have that problem in the United States of America, it exists the same. Mm Mm-hmm. You have, uh, Sage and I were on the way in today. Sage, what did we see on that car, the back of the car outside of Whole Foods? Remember? Uh, the NPR sticker, and right next to it, they had Jesus was liberal and all that kind of stuff on the same back of the car. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't not public not public. It was radio. also uh, by Whole Foods. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, parked in front of Whole Foods, this car, it's got a million bumper stickers in the back. It the says, best bumper stickers are in front of a Whole Foods. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So and I love Whole Foods, uh, but yeah, I mean you got a lot of crunchy people there and liberals, and 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 it happens. And so you have like it said, vote Democratic. It said, um, what was the what was the, the famous one? Equality? No, it was it was the equality symbol. There was um, coexist. The, oh yeah, the coexist. coexist sticker. Right. Jesus was a liberal. Unless you're a Christian. NPR. And so like you get what I'm saying. Or maybe here. in the womb. Yeah, the, except if you're in the womb, right? Um, so uh, you can go ahead and get the background now. Um, so you mentioned. Uh, Racial animosity. Did it? It's no. I said you mentioned yes. Racial animosity earlier. That's also one of the main reasons is public school and then also <laughs> our entire media. Yes. Before we get too far into this, I just want to say that I'm obsessed with the Vice stuff on North Korea right now. It's really good. Amazing. It's really good, and and it it, it's, it spells out the point that I'm making right yeah, now right. really well. Yeah, it really does. Okay, go ahead, Sage. You're talking about racial animosity in school system. Yeah, it's uh. Mostly in history class and everything. I only went to public school until uh, third or fourth grade, but I remember you were taught the then you entire went full woodpecker. <laughs> yeah, then, <laughs> then went the other way. But I remember every time we went into anything about history, anybody before the 1900s, they always had some kind of thing about how that particular group or that person was like a hardcore racist. They could be white supremacists, and that was like in third grade. So. Any person in the West in the past was some kind of horrible monster. And they, they did that all the way back to uh, the Crusaders were evil, the people who settled America were evil. Uh, they did all the bad aspects of the Founding Fathers. They like they harped on the bad parts of them, everything. Like right. they, they tried to make you think your entire history was horrible. Right. Anybody that was born here. And that, and that, was, up to, yeah, that was up to third grade. That's when we pulled you out. Right, but yeah. was right third grade, right? Yeah, the third, yeah, that's right. So, I, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I had a lot of shaping and things happening in my own life, and in terms of how I thought about education that took place, and we pulled the kids out of school and and sage. So, I mean, it's a good thing, God's providence, you got to experience a lot of that. But when you have government-controlled schools, you're getting the government's propaganda. You just are. Right. That's why there's the big like race fight right now, because <laughs> you're taught in high school and college that it's them versus them right or this group did 
everything bad for a thousand years. Right. <laughs> I mean, is it a coincidence, Sage, you think? Is it a coincidence that what we deal with today when we talk to millennials and people outside the abortion mill, they say to us, they're all saying the same message. They're like, oh, you privileged white man. Oh, you're just a white man talking to That's us. That's that white male. Right. Anytime right. they have any type of history book, if there's a white guy on it, I'm actually the, he's the bad guy. Right. Like, it's like the, uh, <laughs> it's like Dr. Evil throughout all of history the past <laughs> no, <I laughs> 2,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what's interesting is that when you hear, and I was raised in public schools, and so my own perspective about Lincoln, I didn't know a lot but what I did know about Lincoln was that he was the he was the hero of the story. Yeah. That he that he was the person trying to stop slavery and racism, and that a war was fought with the South because the South was filled with a bunch of white racists who were just all slave owners, and um, and and Lincoln is the hero of the story. But what's amazing if you actually step outside of that bubble and start looking at the history itself, it's not totally untrue. There were racists in the South, yes, and a lot of racists in the North. But the, but the truth about Lincoln, Lincoln actually said that, he said this, quote, My paramount object in this struggle of, of the, the war and everything else is to save the Union. And it is not either to save or destroy slavery. Let me say it again. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union. And it is not either to save or destroy slavery. Now, say just for, for those that don't understand the full context and history of the Civil War, can you give us just a, just a broad brush of what what happened? Well, uh, it's hard to say. In just, just, <laughs> just give us give us a, give someone a sampling. <laughs> if I said to you why why the Civil War happened, what would you say? I think it was mostly about states' rights and taxes, and normally people freak out when you say that. But uh, there, there were a few things. I mean, uh, until 1862, Washington, D.C., the place that was supposedly like, spearheading the whole effort to end slavery, had slavery. Two years into the war of ending slavery, Washington, the headquarters of it. Washington, yeah. D.C. I can get the official yeah, had, date right had, now. Had slavery until 1862. But when did the, when did the war, the Civil War begin? The Civil War, uh, well, uh, they 1861, but South Carolina seceded in 1860, supposedly over slavery, and the North started a war to end slavery, but the capital of the entire <laughs> North had slavery still. Right. Almost so, a year and a half into the war. Were there any other states, do you know? That were, uh, I know Delaware. Okay, so there were other states that also in the North trying to find the continued exact to have date slavery. Well, that, that's okay. So just in general, the North, the North had slaves. Yeah, yes. yeah, in uh, Washington D.C. It was April sixteenth, eighteen sixty-two. So it wasn't nine months before the proclamation uh, of emancipation. So it wasn't that the North didn't have any slaves or racists, and the South just had all the slaves and racists. And there are uh, laws in the North. I this this was in a separate book I've read, but their <laughs> their laws on race were horrible in the North like in what? every northern state. Like the rules that were on free black people. Mm-hmm. They were awful. Like, <laughs> they they uh, were second class citizens in every possible way. Like uh, the Jim Crow laws mm -hmm. in the South in the fifties and sixties, uh, some of them were much worse than that. Even so, it w there was racism in almost every part of the country. That's right. They had they had segregated water fountains. I don't think there were water fountains yet. <laughs> if I'll there were, if I'm get, sure they would have. See had if them. I could get you on that one. <laughs> 
So, what's important to get here is that is that racism is still a problem. There was racism in the North, racism in the South. There was slavery in the North. There was slavery in the South. But when you talk, Sage, about like where the dispute was, and you don't have to give me like all the very specific details. When you talk about over states' rights and taxation, like what what did it look like? For then? several years before the Civil War happened, you can look throughout United States history and the that whole century right there, the 1800s, there were constant fights, not just about slavery, other things like taxes, um, centralized government, uh-huh. how much power uh, the seat of government should have in DC, like how many uh, rules should it be allowed to impose on other states, what kind of taxes are you allowed to use? Because after the Revolutionary War, each state was almost its own country. Right. And that's what, that's what in they In terms inten- of its rules. That's what that they, that's what they so intended. so amazing. And that's what they intended, right? <laughs> I mean, like, think think about if you had that right now, even. Mm-hmm. Like, if each state was almost its own country. Like, you we wouldn't don't have... Even, we don't even, like heaven. You, we we don't have, even think like that anymore. That's so far removed from... And it's because the Civil War happened. Even if the Civil War was about slavery, do you really think it was a good thing to have that war over it to also get rid of how our system of government worked like a hundred years before that right. also got abolished in the process. Well, well that, that's why they're trying to take down the, the monuments, right? It's about, it's a, a remnant lim- of that. It's a, when it was so like it's, that. it's about just forcing people to believe that we're one nation, uh, a federal nation. That, that was also the main cause of most of the people in the union. And until 1863 and they 62, the narrative started to change. You can read like what Lincoln and all of them were saying after 1862 and 1863. And that's when it changed from the main cause of the war at the beginning was unifying all the states back together, making yeah. everybody come back in the same fold. And then it switched the narrative a few years into the war. Yes. Mm. So, so would you say Sounds that... Sounds like propaganda one would out. You, so, Sage, would you say that, um, that Lincoln used a, a political hot topic because it was expedient for him and he used that as a as a means to essentially pull he people together. He was really really smart. Yeah. About how he wanted to go about the war. And he knew that, he knew that was what's going to get him to win because once they started getting closer to the south uh, there was still a few northern states that had slavery then but Kentucky and Maryland still also had slavery so he wanted to scare them into staying with the Union he told them that they weren't going to be allowed to keep slavery unless they stayed in the Union. That was one of the threats that he used. They so wouldn't be he, able to keep it unless yeah, they stayed. Yeah, they wouldn't be allowed to keep slavery unless they stayed in the Union. That's what he that's what he told them. Abraham Lincoln. It was really what? sneaky, but I think the main thing was states' rights, and for 100 years before that, there was constant... You can even see times in history where northern states threatened to secede. Right. A few times. Right. Because that was just the thing you were allowed to do back then before the Civil War. If the government was pushing you around, you were allowed to just leave. Because states were seen as their own sovereign thing. Yeah, and it, after a long period of time, a few different things led up to the South seceding, South Carolina first. But that was the main cause. What What are states allowed to... Are they allowed to leave or not? <laughs> right, right. Can they leave? Do they... Are Is everybody forced to be well, told what to do about by one... One city, D.C. Right. Are they allowed to control everything? So one of the things that took place in Christopher Hitchens' debate, with a movie with Douglas Wilson, is they shared a really good moment where they brought that up, Sage. They brought up that you had all these independent states that didn't think about the federal government and the union in the way that we do now. They right. just sort of said, like, this is our thing. It's completely different now. This is our thing. It There's- used to be anytime the federal government told a state to do something, it was always optional. 
even if it was on taxes. Plus, I was gonna say is you can wow. start, start to see, and a a good America Republican would probably slap me for saying this, but this is where big government started to form. Yeah, from Lincoln. It was one of the, that. A lot of people might be gasping and driving off the road right now. It was a political view since the Revolutionary War. There were some people that wanted to centralize their government, yeah. pretty much like the place they just left from, Britain. Yeah. There was a few people that wanted to do the same thing in the United States. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, and that was one of Lincoln's views in that party is they wanted to centralize government. So the Civil War was one of the means they used well, to do what, that. But so Sage, it wasn't that Lincoln really just wanted to. He loved black people. And he wanted to free black people. That wasn't the. You can look some of his quotes as pretty racist. I'll give you one of them right now. 1858, Lincoln said, I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. That's why the North also had extreme segregation. So they'd abolished slavery, but they also had one of the worst segregation state systems we've ever had. All yeah. at the same time while this was going on. The states in the north that didn't have slaves, there were still uh, two or three that did have them. In, in, the 18, didn't. in his 1858 debate with Senator Stephen Douglas, Lincoln maintained, and quote, and as inasmuch as they cannot so live, while they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior. And as much as any other man, uh, sorry, and I, as much as any other man, am in favor, this is Lincoln, of having the superior position assigned to the white race. There's a lot of people triggered right now. They're listening. <laughs> That's Abraham Lincoln, y'all. <laughs> hey, look, and here's the point. Again, to stress it over and over again, it's not saying that there were not racists in the South and slave owners. It's to say that the 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 issue was used because it was a hot button issue to wage a war that had began actually before that on different terms we're also the only country that ended it the way we did bloodshed and that's one of the big reasons is other countries kind of just ended it without a war i think one of the main reasons there was a civil war is because it was a way to it was a way for them to consolidate power in a central government at the same time while also getting rid of that yeah here's a final quote from lincoln on this um this this was uh this is powerful <laughs> guys here it is uh quote I have no purpose, directly or indirectly, to interfere with the institution of slavery in the states where it exists. I believe I have no lawful right to do so, and I have no inclination to do so. Abraham Lincoln. So, you know, the, the, the government, in all of history, the government always tries to get more power by claiming to some sort of moral cause. Right, right. Like so, so, that's how we got, you know, the TSA, and then that's, you know, the, of course, that's the first one you bring up. He's like, well, but the I mean, TSA. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's that one, but, but with with slavery, they say, well, this war, they they changed the narrative and they changed the propaganda to make it a moral high ground argument. Right, right. Well, I can't give you another one. Abortion, gun rights. Oh, yeah. Gun, Gun rights. rights is another one, yeah. Gun rights is a way to get more government power to take away freedoms and rights, and it's 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 by means of emotionally driven arguments around uh, deaths by guns, even though even though more people die every year from uh, hammers, fists, and knives than they do guns. And that, obesity. And obesity, That's yeah. a... Well, they're that, trying to get rid of, you know, sodas. 
That's a funny I know, that's thing. That's why I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, you were, I was right, headed there. Right. That was my next. Yeah. Every political debate we had in this last election and the past 40 years always involves what the federal government is going to do to which side. Right. Whether it's in our favor or against us, it's still now the federal government gets to decide what's going to end up happening so, to every so, single okay. state. So why have this conversation, guys? It used to, like, elections didn't used to be this scary every single time because right. they weren't able to do what they can do now. Yeah. So, so why, why does it matter? Why talk about this whole thing, Lincoln, slavery, the Civil War? We're going to talk about the Confederate monuments in just, just a moment here. Well, here's, here's the reason why I want to talk about it. Because the results of the Civil War um, have given to us the nation that we now live in. The nation that we now live in, oh, that one that actually forced gay mirage upon all the states. Oh, that nation that we live in where you had the supreme being of Washington, D.C., say that it was uh, not a human, it's a human developing, and you can kill it. It's the same supreme being in Washington, D.C. that told Arizona that has a current law against abortion on the books, never been changed or challenged, that no, you must allow women to kill uh, their children in the womb, even though you have a law against it. Did you know that? that? That Arizona right now, today, currently, right now, it is against the law, it is against Arizona law to murder your child in the womb in Arizona today. Every person that murders a child in Arizona is breaking Arizona law. And you say, no, 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 but the supreme being of Washington, D.C. has given a decree. Well, yes, that was a court opinion that should do nothing to the state of Arizona's laws. Nothing. That is right. not even how our government makes laws. What does our Constitution say? It says, who makes laws? Congress? Yes. Congress, not the supreme being of Washington, D.C. And how come we got here? Well, it's all a result, in many ways, from what took place Right. Of the civil in the civil war. I don't think he intended what it's like now. I think if Lincoln could see how it is today, he wouldn't have liked how it turned out. But it is a direct result of how that went down. That's right. So let's talk for a moment about how the South was. Again, I'm going to say it ten times in this episode, so nobody can misrepresent me. And if you do, my friend, it is on you. Um, slavery is wicked. Racism is wicked. Um, I, again, question people's salvation who hate their brother on uh, the basis of their skin color. Uh, there, was, there was slavery in the North and the South, racism in the North and the South, and there were people fighting against it on both sides, and it needed to go away and die. However, there were a lot of people in the South who believed that slavery was a moral atrocity, and it was a failure that they had inherited. Um, how about I pick somebody that is a big figure in the South? How about the general, Robert E. Lee? How about him? Will he do? Well, he was a Christian, and he said about slavery, while we see the course of the final abolition of human slavery is still onward, and give it the aid of our prayers. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? The abolition of slavery, the general in the South said this, that we should give it the aid of our prayers that slavery would be abolished, please God abolish it. That's what the general in the South said about wow. slavery. He said, let us leave the progress as well as the results in the hands of him who chooses to work by slow influences and with whom a thousand years are but as a single day. He knew that slavery was a moral mess they had inherited. He wanted it over. He told people to pray for its abolition, but he said, let's let God have his time to change the heart of this nation. And they were it was on its way out within ultimately a number of years. 
And you know, this is an amazing thing too here. He said about slavery, so far from engaging in a war to perpetuate slavery, I am rejoiced that slavery is abolished. I believe it will be greatly for the interests of the South. So fully am I satisfied of this as regards Virginia, especially that I would cheerfully have lost all I have lost by the war and have suffered all I have suffered to have this object attained. Did you hear that? Hmm. He's saying, I'd be willing to do it all again and take all the losses if it means that slavery is abolished. Did you get it? By the way, they've been trying to knock down this guy's statues and memorials too, the past. Yes. 10, 15 years. Yes, they have. So let's talk about that just for, this wow. is just a brief conversation now that we laid the, ground, laid the groundwork. Let's talk about the fact that recently, um, they, of course, over the last number of years, Sage, they have been trying to take down Confederate monuments and those sorts of things. Um, and more recently, in the last three weeks, they have been taking down these statues, statues and everything else. Well, let me just ask you, um, do those statues symbolize racism and slavery? No, and most of, the, most of these things they're trying to take down, it's kind of horrible because a lot of them are just dedicated to the dead on both sides sometimes. <laughs> or they... Like, it's insane. Like, who wants to tear that kind of stuff down? Right. Like, <laughs> well, it represents a massive part of history. It doesn't... Most of the time, any of these things, they never represent race. Right. Right. So, when, when you see these monuments go down that are really a part of our history, and oftentimes monuments of men who hated slavery. Like, they, they hate... Like, look at Robert E. Lee. Look what he said about slavery. Like, he's like, praise God, slavery is over, right? Or they're dedicated to, uh, some of these are dedicated to Confederate soldiers. Right. That died. People that died. Do you really think uh, the, the amount of people who owned slaves in each of the southern states was extremely low? Doesn't mean it's not bad, but it's extremely low. Do you really think that all these people from all these southern states joined the army to go defend the right of, like, one point? Six percent of the population who own slaves, right? Like they're they're like I'm gonna go join a war, right? To go help some rich guy I don't know. This low percentage of slaves. people who yeah has slaves. Do you slaves. really think all those guys were doing it for that? Yeah. Like they don't think it was about defending their homes or right. defending their states' rights. You know, that, they're that, doing it over that, and you want to tear down those guys, right? Monuments too. Yeah. At the same time. That does remind me of an interesting story. There's there's actually stories that come out of the Civil War that are kind of heartbreaking, in terms of the failure of Christians at the time. Uh, so there's this one example in the war where there was a battle waging between people in the south and the north, and there were Christians on both sides. That's a sad thing. There were Christians on both sides. And they they ceased gunfire because they had baptisms to do. They ceased gunfire, they went into the river, wow. did baptisms, and the north and the south sang a hymn together. They go back to their respective sides and start shooting at each other again. How crazy is that? That's intense. That's intense. Man. So, there were people, listen, can I say this? There were people in the South that were Christians that said that they believed that the outcome of the war was a disciplining hand of God for slavery that existed in the South. They believed that God had allowed them to lose a war that was fought in many respects for just principles um, because of the moral atrocity of slavery. So all that needs to be acknowledged. All that's there, right? But the point is, is it's not as cut and dry as the South were racist, the Confederates were racist, and the North were a bunch of white and delightsome, like, purist, like, we hate slavery. That was not the case. Lincoln, Unless you're Mormon. <laughs> Lincoln was not the hero of the story. Right. We did not need to shed blood 
over this. And let me just say this, slavery would have been abolished as it was abolished in every, every nation influenced by Christians. And I gotta say this, I do believe this, that a lot of the racial animosity that ex still exists to this day is as a result of how that war happened. Huh. How it ended. The racial animosity that still exists today because of what happened. Let me say this, the oh, racial, you're right. You're right the racial tensions in the UK, and the, it's, it's not anywhere near as bad as it is in the United States of America. And you gotta say that has got a lot to do with, not only, not only, but a lot to do with what happened in the Civil War. So, um, Sage, make a case, okay? You're the racist at the table. You want these monuments to stay up. Not really. Okay, right? <laughs> Let's pretend. Now that's what a liberal who listens to this show is gonna say. Oh, it's just a bunch of racists talking about Confederate stuff. They wanna keep it up because racism, racism, right? What would you say to that? How would you respond to somebody who says, you're just deep down, in your heart of hearts, you're a racist, Sage, and you just want these things up because you're a racist. Did I say you're a racist? You're a racist. Okay. <laughs> what would you say to him? Why would you? I mean, why would you want saying Confederate stuff is racist? Yeah, they're saying you. You're you're saying it's not a good idea to tear his monuments down, and that's because you're a racist. What would you say back to him? It's uh, that whole cause didn't have anything remotely to do with race. I don't even believe that part. Okay. I want the monuments to stay up, and I'm okay with the Confederate flag and everything, too. But that's... I kind of see it as a symbol of states' rights. Like, people still have the, um... People still have the Betsy Ross flag, the flag with the 13 stars from the Revolutionary War. They have the Don't Tread On Me flag. Right. I kind of see it as almost the same thing. I mean, the South lost, though. But it's still... <laughs> It's still a symbol of when we had states' rights. Right. So that's why I would be okay with those still staying up. Well, talk about that Confederate flag for a moment now, because Luke was saying earlier, what'd you say? It's what the what flag? The hill? Hill, hill jack. It, it's now the symbol. <laughs> no, that's what it represents. It's the hill. You, like just you, you're missing teeth, live in a trailer, and you wear a sleeveless shirt. It's, wa it's waving <laughs> on the back of your truck. Yeah. You put a special like thing in there so that right. you can wave the Confederate flag in the back of your truck. You're just a hill jack, right? Sage, what, what the flag itself, just give a little bit of history of the flag. There were several Confederate flags, but the well, popular one today. Now, the Confederate battle flag, the one you see with the with the uh, almost X-looking shape on it, Yeah, that one a lot of people see now as uh, a hate symbol. Right. That's mostly because you're taught in any school you go to, the only time you see a picture of that flag is when it's at a KKK rally. Like, right. you've had a good time. Right, right. I think the reason the KKK used that specific flag is because that's what schools taught them. They they told them that the Civil War was about slavery, mm -hmm. and you have actual racists that like that, and so they want to use the thing you're telling them was used for slavery. Yeah, you're like, this is so a symbol of racism, flag. and they go, great, I'll take mm -hmm. it. it that, that's not Let me what, wave the banner. That's not what the flag was about. That wasn't even uh, the flag for the Confederate States. They yeah. had a different national flag. The common one you see with an X, that was the one that uh, Virginia used for, It was. it's why it's called the battle flag. It was the one that uh, Robert E. Lee and a lot of his soldiers had. It was that specific one right there. Robert E. Lee, the guy who said that he praised God that slavery was over. Yeah, the, the okay. general, the whole thing, uh, the guy pretty much keeping the Confederacy alive during the Civil War until they lost. But uh, the, what do you mean, like the, the flag? 
Yeah, just tell the history of it. Like, what is it? Like, where's it come from? That 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 popular one. Oh, uh, yeah, that specific one is uh, Saint Andrew's Cross. Okay. It originates in Scotland, but the uh, the that specific they didn't pick that shape just because they think it looks cool. It was a Christian symbol. Yeah. And uh, the red, white, and blue obviously represent those are American American colors. Right. And uh, it has the thirteen stars on it representing the thirteen colonies. Right. I uh, I saw, well, we saw earlier today in the car that video of the guy that was saying that the white on the flag was representing the white race. <laughs> yeah. That was right. his argument. Right. Oh, was wow. it the white on the flag was the white race? He's not even thinking about the fact that American colors are red, white, and blue. Right. That's <laughs> right. That guy have any teeth? Yeah. <laughs> the guy who said that. Um, you know what I think of when I hear that, when I look at that flag? What? You can play a song. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Keep it going. Just a good old boy. Good old boys. <laughs> Never meaning no harm. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just waving flags in here right now. <laughs> We're talking about the General Lee, so, right? Is that what we're talking about? Good old boy. Yeah, Robert E. Lee. So, what kind of... Let me ask you, Sage, and we'll just wrap it up on The this. most fun thing about all of this... Okay. Is the amount of explaining you have to do every single time somebody asks you about it. Because the moment anybody sees Confederate anything, if you try to talk about the Civil War, the moment you say the word South, or the moment you talk about Confederate anything, it's automatically in their head an image pops up of the KKK riding on horses and right, right. lynchings and stuff like that. That's the first thing they can think of. Yeah. Because uh, in school, they won't teach you anything else about that subject. That's all they will <laughs> show about the entire thing. So I don't blame people that they get upset when they see it because that's right. what they think it was about. Right. Even though it was fundamentally denied by so many. Um, yeah, it's not what it was about, but that's what they think, though, because right. that's all it's shown about. Right. Is so with that with in KKK rallies. Those words, South, Confederate, and that symbol comes with baggage. And the baggage is racism because that's what they've been taught. So let And me in school, they'll also make actual southern schools all feel bad about themselves right that's true yeah (laughs) for for that what do you think what do you think is the kind of damage that is caused when we remove these monuments and we lose these pieces of history like what one thing is people can't see how things used to be before that war happened where states had the rights to defend themselves and make their own choices and make their own laws and block other laws from being opposed on them by the government like i mean now every social issue we've had in the past hundred years that went wrong is yeah is a result of that because every single time it's the it's the federal government in DC being the final say on everything and everybody just accepts it because the last time they didn't accept it that's when the Civil War happened and they trashed that entire side of the country six hundred fifty thousand people dead like I think it was two or three percent of the population that's like five million by today's standards right all that happened they they. Those states you see in the South that are most poor right now, they used to be the most rich mm. before the Civil War happened. Georgia, uh, Arkansas, yeah, that's the one everybody makes the poor jokes about. Right. Those states used to be the richest. But when Northern Generals went down South, they, on purpose, destroyed entire states mm-hmm. to, yeah. to end slavery. They raised entire states. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They mur- they murdered innocent people and demolished entire states over something that could have been ended on its own in, in a year now. Peaceably. From then. Yeah, peaceably. Well that's mm. fantastic. 
All right, so there you go. So, hey, I, I mentioned it before, but Sage is starting his own uh, history class, and it will be taking place. It's in uh, Tempe, and it's mostly for uh, middle school age students. It's actually not on this kind of stuff. It's going to be over. Uh, it's going to be over Christendom. Christendom, and that's Christian history. Yeah, Christian history. did you pay for that plug, Sage? I think that <laughs> I think that Sage should do a historical podcast <laughs> called. Uh, Historical rage with Sage. <laughs> <laughs> rage with Sage. Yeah, yeah, that's sage awesome. Against the machine. All right, so hey, uh, do you have a Facebook page up for that? No, not no? yet. I All have right. a Facebook group. Well, yeah, on my friends list. Yeah, well, we'll let you. We'll let you guys know more details as he moves along. He gets ready for that class. So if you guys are local and you want to take part of the history class with my son, you guys can do that. We'll let you guys know uh, more about that as it comes uh, comes along. So that's it, y'all. There was the episode for today. I, th- wow. I, I hope it blessed you. I hope it was a Good. blessing, an encouragement. I hope you guys learned something. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, speaking of episodes, I'm doing two dividing lines for Dr. James White next week. So be on the lookout for the dividing wow. line. Uh, he streams it live. Rich will be doing it live. And so I'm going to do two episodes in Dr. White's seat next week on the dividing line. So be on the lookout, y'all. Is it just a bike seat? I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to think of some fun <laughs> things to do while I'm while I'm there that might relate to things like that. So I'm still thinking about you what I'm going to do. Wearing some spandex shorts. I'm thinking about wearing some spandex oh. actually in the studio <laughs> with the Kuji. Actually, Daniel's already agreed to help me tie um, a, a bow tie. tie. Yeah. So when I'm doing it, I'm wearing a bow tie. That's how committed Daniel is to That's Apologia. Right. So hey guys, ApologiaRadio.com is where you guys go to get the past episodes. Over 200 episodes. You can sign up for all access when you do. Uh, you actually make all this possible. Everything we're doing, you make possible. And so a big shout out and thank you. And we love you and are grateful to you for you. To everybody who is already all access, um, thank you for everything, yes, thank you guys. thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's very, very meaningful to us, and we're grateful for you. Also, big shout out to the brother who sent us Mark, a, a bunch of ice cream. Mark Grubbs. Mark you Grubbs. You are the man. Thank you. You made Apologia Studios so happy this week. With your two shipments of the most delicious gourmet ice cream. You did start some fights, though, too. Yeah, yeah, we were fighting over the flavors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should just tell them our P.O. box in case people want to send us more food. Well, actually, if they send ice cream to the P.O. box, it's going to go bad. It's not going to work. That's right. Oh, it could, okay. They can just let us know. If you want to send some nifty gifties, we contact welcome Pastor the food. Luke. Yes, I will tell you where to send the food. That's right. We welcome it with open arms. Yeah, but we will. We, I will say this. We will check in on you before we eat it. Because you were worried. Risky. Jeff was worried the first shipment. He's Be- like, oh. Because there are people who would love to take us down like that. So we will call you personally, very personally. <laughs> Is this food properly sealed? Yeah, that's right. All right, so God bless you guys. Pastor Luke the Bear. Peace out. Marcus King Ginger. Thank you. Sage the Rage. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff the Ninja. And Daniel. Adios. ApologiaRadio.com. Catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening. Hey guys, don't fast forward through this commercial. Important message for you guys. We're meeting at a new location for Apologia Church worship services. I'm Jeff Durbin, pastor at Apologia Church. Join us for worship 4 p.m. on Sundays. Uh, we are a family integrated church. Sorry, do I introduce myself? They yeah, don't you know can who say I joy. Am. Yeah, you can say joy. I don't. He can this cut is this for so church, just talk though. About it. Yeah. But what do I do at the church? 
They're going to be like, that's one of those churches that has a lady pastor. I, I want to keep this as a, as a part of the commercial. I want you to leave this. Okay. All right. Luke. Uh, this is Luke the Bear, discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. And the new location we're meeting at, like Jeff said, it's the Tempe Vineyard Church. I think you said it was the Tempe Vineyard Church. No, I didn't. You didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> you just did. The address okay. is 1805 East Elliott Road, number 112, Tempe, Arizona, 85284. That is on the southeast corner of McClintock and Elliott. Bring your wives, bring your kids, and bring your husbands too, because we're teaching everybody up in here. Bring your beards if you got them. Or no. It's up to you. I'll have mine. All right, guys. That's our new commercial. I think it's professional. <laughs> we'll see you at Apologia Church. Join us for worship. ApologiaChurch.com. <laughs> <laughs>